Can you trust God? Well, if you belong to him, you can. Because he is going to look out over us, after us, go before us and work everything out. He's going to take care of everything for us. You're going to find that when you follow God and trust God, he's going to work out what you need before you ever need it. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. If a sheep is in a sheep pen and eating its grass, drinking its water, it's not thinking about this food is drying up. I better move to another pasture. That's the job of the shepherd. The shepherd is watching out for us to see that we are where we're supposed to be when we are supposed to be there, to see that we are moved before the snowstorm comes, to see that everything is prepared for us so that we can thrive so long as he chooses to leave us on this present earth. The way is made for us. All we have to do is enter in. And this is a story of entering in of provision from God, of supernatural provision from God, of abundance from God. If you look at the end of Ephesians, the scripture says, God is able to provide for us exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. I think that's in Ephesians 3. It is Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. What does that mean, according to the power that worketh in us? That means according to the Holy Spirit, because it is the Holy Spirit by which God communicates with us. He will show the Holy Spirit what he wants us to do. The Holy Spirit brings those ideas to our minds in forms of thoughts to show us what to do. But it's going to be exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. God even gives us the desires of our hearts. Basically, this means God puts those desires of his in our heart so that we will even want to do those things that is best for us to do. It will be be just a desire in our heart. Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, the word, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. We will find our heart changes on things. We just, we wanted one thing at one time, and all of a sudden, we just don't want that thing anymore. We want something else. That is God putting his desire in the heart of his children so they will follow him. And he makes it easy for us. This happened to me in the year 2018. 
I had lived alone for many years, 20 years, 20 years at least. I had a house in Texas, a big house in Texas, a very nice house in Texas. I even designed it myself, had it built to my specification. It suited me very much artistically, and it was very nice. In 2018, my heart changed. All of a sudden, I didn't want to live alone. I didn't want to continue living alone, and yet I had lived alone for most of my life. I was now 80 years old at the time this happened. I was in good condition. I could drive my car, pick up food, go places. So it wasn't that I was physically unable at that time. I just changed. I believe God changed my heart to make it compatible with the thing that was going to need to happen just a few weeks down the road. Another thing that I changed on is I no longer wanted a big house. I really wanted to just live in one room and pare down all of my belongings so that they fit in that one room and it would be very easy for me to get what I wanted in that room and not have to go to the other end of the house to get it. So I changed in that way. Everything changed. That was in early 2018. On December the 6th, 2018, I fell in the hallway adjacent to my room. I broke a hip and I badly broke a left wrist requiring reconstructive surgery. But problem number one for me was how to get from the hallway where I fell into the bedroom where there was a telephone. And this was an enormous problem. It was probably six feet away, but I really had so much pain to even move one inch to crawl on my good side. One inch was very difficult. I didn't think I could do it. But if I didn't do it, I would probably die in that hallway because no one was scheduled into my house for about a week. I needed to get to the telephone if I was going to call for help. And then I heard a word from God. By the Holy Spirit, I heard, You can do this as I started trying to inch my way down that hallway. It took me four and a half hours to reach the telephone. My plan was if I could get to the table where the telephone was sitting, sitting, perhaps I could take the cord that was hanging down and pull the phone off the table so that I could get 
the handset and make a phone call. Again, it took four and a half hours for me to even get to the area where the phone was sitting. I reached the cord and pulled on it and pulled the phone off the table in the direction where I was lying on the floor. But when the phone hit the floor, the handset squirted off somewhere and I never saw that again. So I couldn't use the telephone. But under that same table, I noticed a Kindle tablet which had been charging on a power cord. If I could get to the Kindle tablet, I might be able to send an email to our church group. I didn't think I could type an email as you would start out an email, but if I found one that I had previously written, I could send a copy of that email to our church group and put the words, help, have fallen, send ambulance. The tablet was probably another three foot away, so it took me some time and pain and effort to reach the tablet. When I reached it, I could really barely focus. But I did focus enough to find a past email and get an email sent out to our church group. Now, they live all over the United States. They were radio audience. Only one of them lived in Lubbock, Texas, where I lived. But I figured if I could get that email out, somebody would notice it and send help. Turned out Pam Padgett in Colorado Springs got the email. And she figured it out. And she knew she couldn't call 911 and get help for me because she was in Colorado and I was in Texas. So she called the police department in Lubbock, Texas and told them, I had apparently fallen and was helpless and asked if they would send an ambulance to my house, which they did. As the ambulance workers rolled me past the front door of my house, I heard from God by the Holy Spirit. I heard these words. You'll never see this house again. That didn't trouble me at all. By this time in my life, at 80 years old, I've had enough experience with God to know His way is the way to go. Whatever He has planned for me is going to work out better than anything I would plan. I really know that. I understand that. In the hospital, I didn't pray to be healed at all. I just waited to see what God was going to do. I didn't know if I would live or die. I had to spend two and a half months in rehabilitation hospitals after surgery. And in the rehab hospital, every once in a while, I would ask one of the nurses or the head nurse, I'd say, do you think I'm going to live? I wasn't troubled. I just didn't know what was going to happen to me. I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to move to. 
I had no family, relatives that is, blood relatives. I had no one. But I knew if God was going to have me live on this earth, he would work it out. I didn't fret over it. I didn't even think about it. I was just waiting to see what happened, whether I lived or died. There is a woman, or there was a woman at that time, in our church group, who had moved to Lubbock from Houston after she retired, and she moved to Lubbock because I was in Lubbock. We thought she would be a big help to me, but it didn't work out that way. She was actually a problem to me. It turned out she wasn't depending on God. She was trusting in me and depending on me. You just can't go forward in the church with someone who clings to you. They need to hear from God. But in 39 years of work with her, that never happened that I know of. And each time I was around her, I was troubled. I often prayed that if anything ever happened to me, that God not let her be in charge of me because I watched her decisions, and to me, they were extremely strange. One time, she dug a, about a two-foot space at the back of her house where her yard was, and she called me to come over and look at it to advise her on what to do with it. I mean, it was stuff like that. I just didn't find her to be following God, to be turning to God, to really be following God. One time she asked me if I would go with her to help her pick out a light fixture for her house, a dining room light fixture. I told her I would meet her at the lighting store, and I did. En route to the lighting store, I prayed that God would help us find a lighting fixture and that he would do it so we wouldn't have to run all over town hunting one. We got inside the building and I saw a fixture immediately that I thought would work. But I didn't want to tell her that. It's her house. I wanted her to find it. And then I pictured that I would say something like, oh, that's very nice. That's not what happened. I waited at the desk area while she looked through the store, and it took her maybe 20 minutes. She came back where I was sitting, and I said, well, did you find something you liked? And she said, no, no, I didn't. And then I said, well, that fixture would work, and I pointed to the one that I'd seen when I came in the door. And she said, oh, it would work. I said, well, I think it would. So she went over and inspected it carefully and liked it and bought it. When we got outside the store, I said to her, before we came to this store, did you pray about it? Did you pray about finding a light fixture and ask God to help you to find one? In rather coy way, she said to me, no, because I knew you would. I think that's the essence of the reason I could not be around this woman. 
Eventually, she left us. She somehow didn't seem to be able to trust God, but she could trust me. One time, she even told me, she said, well, I don't know if I'm born again or not, but if you think I'm not, I trust you, and I probably am not. There is no way you could convince me that I'm not born again. When you're really born again, you know it. And I think that was a big part of her problem. She had been raised from the time she was a baby in the church. And she even thought her mother to be a prophet. So she was seriously raised in the church. But I don't think she was born again. I think her faith was in me. And this put a tremendous burden on me. I don't want anybody's faith to be in me. I can tell you the way of God, but you've got to you've got to have faith to turn to God. Anyway, that's the background on that story. It's going to surface again in a few minutes. So I'm in a hospital at that time, uh, 2018, in Lubbock, Texas. This church, same church woman, was in the room with me when a nurse came in. They were going to do surgery on me the next day. And they needed the name of somebody who would be medically responsible for me if I was unable to answer questions. I said, well, Pam Paget will be responsible for me. At that point, Sandra said, how can she be responsible? She doesn't even live here. I said, well, I don't know how she can be, but she is. Really, for decades I had prayed to God, if anything ever happens to me and I'm not able to deal with myself, to answer questions about myself, please don't let Sandra do it. Please don't let her be in charge of me. Because I had seen the way she answered questions. I had seen something about her so many times where I couldn't understand what she was doing. It was, to me, like she wasn't connecting with God. I couldn't have someone like that in charge of me. Pam, on the other hand, I had watched for years. We started writing, well, we started a blog together in 2012. She did the technical work. I had watched her since that time. And I saw how she made decisions. If there was a problem, she would turn to God and pray. She would find out how to solve the problem. She would be led by God. And then she would tell me there had been a problem, but she turned to God, and this is what he showed her to do. Now, that kind of person is the one I want in charge of me. Because she will turn to God, and she will hear from him and apply what he says. And that's the kind of person that I want to be in charge if I'm unable to do it. So I told this nurse, Pam Paget's in charge. I think that shook Sandra very deeply. She looked shocked. She looked stunned. Here she has moved to Lubbock because of me. Well, I didn't tell her to move to Lubbock. She thought she was supposed to. 
She somehow thought I was an assignment for her. But that can't be. It couldn't be possible. Because she troubled me every time she was around me. She was following some spirit, I think, that was not God. Anyway, I knew it really upset her when I said Pam Paget will be in charge of me. Well, I didn't know how Pam could be, but I knew she was the kind of person I wanted in charge of me if I was unconscious and unable to make medical decisions. I want someone who is definitely going to hear from God, and I want a lot of experience showing me that that person has a background of hearing from God, and I had that with Pam. So they operated on me, and it was a bad operation. And it was going to take at least two months in a rehab hospital on recovery time. When I recovered consciousness from surgery, this churchwoman was standing at the foot of my hospital bed. She didn't say a word to me. She just stared at me. And then, all of a sudden, she turned around with her face toward the wall and her back toward me, and she just disappeared through the wall, walked through the wall. I thought I was having a drug hallucination. I had been out of surgery only a few hours at that time, and I attributed it to drug hallucinations. Two, about two weeks later, it actually happened. This churchwoman came to my room in a rehab hospital and she sat down and she said, I no longer care about anyone or anything. I don't read the Bible anymore. I don't read the blog anymore. I no longer care. I said to her, but what is going to happen to you if you go that way? And she responded to me, I don't want to talk to you about this. A nurse came in the room just about that time. This woman got up and went into the bathroom that was there in my room. And I called out to her and I said, wait, don't leave until the nurse leaves. But as the nurse worked on me, I saw this churchwoman sneak out of the bathroom and leave my room. I never saw her again. After I moved from Texas to Colorado, I did communicate with her by email. I did hear a response from her by email. And she said to me, I'm so sorry for what I did. I had no charity toward you. Well, I told her, please don't worry about this. I got along just fine that I was actually relieved that she had left because I was so troubled over her and I had and I couldn't help her. I tried for so many years to help her and nothing worked. And I strongly suggested she go to a medical doctor because something, I, I mean, she couldn't remember what she'd done the day before. And I felt she must have some form of medical problem. 
I was not equipped to help her, and I really felt she should go and be checked. But that's the last time I communicated with her. That was two years ago. I just can't help her. I tried for 39 years, and nothing really worked. So I am left basically in a hospital in Texas without any help. But I wasn't afraid. Every once in a while there was a little fear over passing the time. How am I going to get through this day? And what I would do is just pray and ask God to fill the day and help me get through it. And before I knew it, the day was over. It kind of shocked me because I forgot about praying that. And then it would be the end of the day. And then I would remember, well, I asked God to help me get through the day. That's kind of the way it is when you pray over something like that. And now even, that's two years later. And now often if I find I'm a little restless in the day or something, I often remember to pray and just ask God to fill my day. And he always does. Just recently, uh, one of uh, our neighbors died. I mean, her father died. And I felt sorry for her, but I didn't have any kind of word to encourage her. I did, I'd never met her father. I did not know his spiritual condition. She attends a Catholic church. And I did not know anything I could say to comfort her. I just said to God, well, I wish there was something I could say to help her, but I don't know what it would be. Later on that same day, I had something brought to my mind, and I sent her an email immediately. And I told her that when someone dies, even if we don't know that person, we feel kind of a hole of some kind in us, even though we don't know the person. And I told her, I said, if when you feel sadness start to come upon you, if you will just call out to God, I know he will help you. Just call out to him and say, please, God, help me. I feel sad. I know he will help you. I felt because he gave me that dream, I had total assurance that God would actually do that for this woman. Though I don't know her spiritual condition at all. She did send me an email and thanked me. I hope she will do this because I know she will be helped. She might even end up being born again and saved. So at that time, I'm in a hospital in Lubbock, Texas. In, it's by now January 2019. And Pam Paget has been checking on me. She's been communicating with the nurses to be sure I had what I needed. She's been helping me. And right, well, this was right at Christmas because um, she called me and she said, I will be down there on Tuesday. And I realized that was Christmas Day. And she drove down from Colorado on Tuesday, 450 miles, to see if she could help me. And she did several things, picked up things that I 
needed and did several things to help me. And I needed to move from that rehabilitation hospital to another hospital and to locate another hospital to which to move. There was a problem in the first hospital. Pam found another hospital for me. I was being given a considerable amount of pain medicine at that time, and I was not capable of doing anything for myself. I could not walk at all. I couldn't get out of bed at all. I was basically helpless. Pam assisted in the transfer, got me moved to the new hospital, helped me with just things that you need around your room and things. Went back to Colorado. And she said, now I'll be back in two and a half weeks. Well, it just seemed to me like two and a half weeks would be an eternity. How was I going to get through two and a half weeks being totally alone in a hospital? And this is what I said to God. Well, he filled the day. I didn't have any time, any trouble whatsoever. And the time just flew by. Pam came back and helped me get to a doctor's appointment and helped me in ways that you just need some help when you're in this condition. And along the way, the idea came that maybe I could move to Colorado Springs, where she lived, so that at least I could be in a rehab hospital there, and that would, I'd have a little help. She could visit me occasionally and things like that. And that was basically all I was thinking of. I asked her if she had ever thought about my moving to Colorado. Because usually when God's working something out, he's working both ends at the same time. It's not just a benefit to one person, but usually when God's in it, he's working to benefit both people. Pam is a retired computer programmer from FedEx, and she had a house in Colorado Springs and a couple of dogs and two cats, and I had a cat. And so I like animals. I like dogs and cats both. And Pam is just the type of person that I really thought it would work for me to be in Colorado Springs. But I asked her if she'd ever thought of that. And Pam said that that had crossed her mind a time or two, but she didn't think I would ever leave Texas. I was really strongly indoctrinated. Well, as it turned out, God worked with both of us, and instead of moving to a rehab hospital in Colorado Springs, I ended up moving to Pam's house. She had a had just finished remodeling the downstairs area of her house to make a bedroom and a bathroom downstairs. She had upstairs a master bedroom bath and a guest bedroom bath upstairs, but she had decided to build one downstairs. Even before I was injured, I had been working with her on that project. She would tell me by phone what she was doing, and she would send me pictures of what she was doing, and we would discuss it. And I'd been involved in this remodeling, mainly of her theater room, which is the fireplace area, because she had big sound system 
and I was helping her with the remodeling of where those speakers might go and how she could get it in that area and recess it into the wall so that it would work and it wouldn't feel overcrowded. So I had been involved in this project. I had especially been involved in the, in the bathroom project downstairs. She was going to move a bathroom into the laundry area and her laundry into the bathroom. She had a half bath downstairs. But I had a word from, that I believed to be from God, and that was use the half bath area and just cut into the wall there and add a shower which is what she did. I didn't know this, but she called it Joan's bathroom after I had been so involved in the project. Every time she referred to it, it was Joan's bathroom. We never dreamed I would actually be living here and using that bathroom and bedroom that she remodeled. She finished that work Thanksgiving Around Thanksgiving of 2018, I fell December 6th of 2018. This was, this remodeled area in her house was completed just about the time I fell. February 24th, when I moved to Colorado, that's the area I moved to and it was totally finished. This Catholic woman that I told you about, her neighbor, she said, this just shows me God working. To have it work that way, where that project was finished just before it was needed. So I moved into Pam's house. And I told her, now, I, you're not under a burden with me. Because if we find... This does not work for you, for me to be in your house. I'll go to a assisted living type facility in Colorado Springs. Well, it worked very well for me to be in Pam's house. It seemed to work well for her. It worked well for me. This was 2019. 2020 coronavirus struck. The house in Texas sold in March 2020, and I received the money for it in May, May 15th, 2020. When that happened, everything changed. All of a sudden, I didn't have all those expenses of that house in Texas. I had plenty of money, which was in the bank in an a money market account. I was just waiting to see what I should do with it. Pam did not want any money at all for me to live here at her house. But I insisted on paying her $600 a month. And then she had my credit card, which she could charge groceries on. She didn't want to take anything. But as a result of this move, you could see how much it would help our finances. Because even though Pam was totally out of debt, I'm totally out of debt, she did not owe anything for this property. I didn't owe anything on the property in Texas. 
but consolidating two households changes your financial situation dramatically. And now, all of a sudden, it's not a matter of paying for an object. We, it's which, which bank account do we use to pay for this? Because we have two ministry bank accounts. I have two personal bank accounts. Pam has her bank account and another account and her FedEx retirement. So when 2020 hit and coronavirus hit, we were really in great condition. I would have hated to have been living alone at the time coronavirus hit, and you had to be isolated in your house alone. That would have been very difficult, I think. I think the mental problems on that would be incredible. Even if you didn't have financial problems, I think the mental problems would be really something to have to endure. I was very grateful to God that I was not living alone at the time of coronavirus. But you see how all this was just laid out by God. And all we had to do is move into it. And I believe that'll be your life too. If you belong to God. And if you know how to follow God. I have a great many recordings on following God that you can look on podcasts and you'll find a bunch of them. And they might help you. When I got to Colorado, we found that it was difficult for me to get into Pam's house. There was a, a step at the garage door that was a little taller than I could execute. So I had a ramp put into her garage where I could use a walker or a wheelchair to get into her house. We also, we had my old car, 25-year-old car, and I had brought it up here. Pam had come down to Texas and I brought it and my cat. I had driven it up here. When I was moved, we flew by commercial plane. But she brought the car. And I wanted to pay for a driveway adjacent to her main double driveway so the car could park there and I even thought of adding a small garage onto her garage area to put this car in. I have found that I'm not going to drive anymore. I might be physically able to drive, but I'm concerned. I just don't think it's worth taking a risk. There comes a time when you just don't want to continue driving, and I have reached that time. Pam is happy to drive and get whatever we need. But now with coronavirus, we just have Walmart deliver everything for $100 a year. They'll do deliveries. That's incredible, but they do. So we just use that. Anyway, it's worked out well. I think for her and for me, I would not do it if I thought it was a burden to her. And if at any time I feel it is pulling her down in any way for me to be here, I will insist on going to an assisted living facility, and I have plenty of money to pay for that now with the sale of that house in Texas. 
So we have flexibility. We can go different ways. But so far, it has worked well. For me to be here, Pam seems happy uh, for me to be here, and I'm very happy to be here. Pam is very quiet. I don't even know she's on the place. I can do recordings. I can do work. She doesn't interfere with anything that I do. And I don't want to interfere with her plans, and I try not to. So it seems to be working out very well for both of us, as I would expect it to do if God planned it. I would expect her financial condition to be much better than it was before I came here. And mine is certainly better, because I don't have that upkeep of that house in Texas. This is the way... I see God working things. Just putting his desire into our heart ahead of time, and then all of a sudden the occasion arises where this is what you really want to do, and it's really God's plan anyway. Through the past 45 years, God has worked with me on following God. And to sum it all up, God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. If you are doing something and it's extremely difficult, you do not have God's plan from what God has taught me about him, his own plan. God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. It is not complicated. It is not overly expensive when it is God leading you. If you are following human beings, it will be difficult. My cleaning woman once came to me and said, Joan, don't you ever feel like you have to keep up with the Joneses? And I was a little shocked. I said, no, I don't believe I do. Well, she had been watching me. I had a 25-year-old car. I made no effort to get a new car. I basically had no interest in dressing up and getting clothing and wearing jewelry or anything like that. And she'd been watching that. So she said, don't you ever feel you have to keep up with your neighbors? Well, I don't believe I did. I had nice things inside my house that I enjoyed, but it wasn't a matter of having to show other people that I was important or something or had anything. And this is the thing that is the hard yoke. When you feel like you have to dress a certain way to impress people, that you have to drive a certain kind of car to impress somebody or live in a property that to impress somebody, you have yoked yourself to man and you have a hard yoke. If you belong to God, which I assume you do since you're listening to this podcast, I don't know why you would be listening to it if you don't belong to God. So, if you belong to God, examine what are you yoked to. If you've yoked yourself to the plans of man, it's going to be very hard. If you can learn to yoke yourself to God by praying and by following him, everything will change. One step at a time. One time I heard this years ago. 
One step at a time, one step at a time, it is enough. If you're hearing from God, take that step. Along the way, you'll probably have more direction. And soon you'll be free. I have made podcasts um, on the subject of getting out of debt. Um, I just don't see how I could function if I owed anybody anything. This is one of the first things God ever showed me back in 1975 after I was born again was to get out of debt and stay out of debt, and I diligently followed him. I think debt is a very crippling thing. And this way of life to buy now and pay later is deadly. Deadly. You don't know what's coming later. Which of us knew coronavirus was coming? I certainly didn't know. And it hit. And we saw things that we've never dreamed of happening. I I was fascinated by looking at the television news and seeing pictures of Times Square where there weren't any people. I've been to New York City, and I've seen what it was. Wall-to-wall traffic and wall-to-wall people, and no one was there. It was just the most shocking thing I've ever seen. To experience coronavirus and the things that went on, the closing of businesses, the people having to stay indoors, so much of it made Revelation 18 readable for me. I just couldn't picture Revelation 18, the fall of Babylon, where the business is closed, where everything shut down, where the thing that made people rich was gone. Couldn't picture it. And here we saw it in 2020. We saw it happening. It made me understand the Great Tribulation better. It made me understand the things that are going to come things of God that are coming up on this earth to judge the sin that we see on this earth. It made it more understandable. Coronavirus did. There are several recordings that I've recorded, and if you will pull up our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, on the right-hand side you'll see podcast. You can tap on that, and you can see all the podcasts. I have selected about 30 of them that I thought were critical for people on Bible teachings, critical for following God as we live on this earth. Now, there are about 300 podcasts recorded right now, and those are all archived over there on that side of the Jesus Ministry blog, so you can select others if you want to. But I've picked out 30 that I feel are critical for the church. Again, the name of the blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Be sure to put that word exhortations on it. For there are several Jesus Ministries. In order to find the blog, you need that word exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.